0: as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge.
1: Welcome to the FDH Lounge.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here, and I have fellow FDH Lounge original dignitary Chris Galloway. We're doing our 2020 NFL Divisional Previews. This is part four of the 2020 AFC West as we are going through this. And uh, again, as we've been saying at the start of every segment here, the first 10 minutes or so of part one, talking about the overall COVID situation this year in the NFL, how it's likely to affect the overall state of things here, From that point on, we're only talking about it as it affects certain teams as we're going along here, rather than uh, redundantly talk about the same stuff at the start of every segment. So beginning of part one, if you want to hear our overall thoughts on that, and uh, again, going into uh, the division here, the 2020 AFC West, uh, I would not be, I suppose going out on this big of a limb by saying that I regard, of all teams, the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I'm prepared to push my chips to the middle of the table and say that I think they're not only the favorite in this division, Chris, but but I will say kind of a strong favorite in this division. There, I said it. Well, that's
1: just so bold of you. <laughs> I can't believe he I mean, this is coming out of it. Coming out with a hot take just like that. The Chiefs are going to be good and the
0: prohibitive favorites to win the division. Just call me Skip Was Yeah. How you, could, how you could go there? I mean, I'm shocked. I really am shocked. Yes. I
1: mean, just discounting a Raider? Just that? it? <laughs> uh, 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 um, yes, what can be said? It's a quarterback driven league, and they have the best quarterback in the league. Yep. Beginning and end, period. That's True. it. True. Pop it.
0: And, uh, again, they're at a point where, again, uh, with having the the Honey Badger defensively, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, they're a little bit top-heavy defensively. But this is a deal where, really, they remind me of the Saints when they won the Super Bowl, that, like, the defense just has to be good enough. And that's where they were last year. Nobody would mistake this with being a dominant defense. But with the offense being where it is, you just got to be middle of the pack, uh, defensively here, and the Chiefs I think are, even with, uh, again, an offseason where, again, they've started to run up against cap issues already uh, and everything like that, so this is a team that, again, one of the challenges that they may run into uh, is not having a roster that's as deep as it was a year ago, but notwithstanding that, uh, can they pull off a middle-of-the-pack defense again that is all to support the offense needs? I certainly think so.
1: Yeah, to your point, they all they've got to try to be is In in the NFL, and they're going to go deep into the playoffs. Um, And and that's, they have the personnel to be good enough. Uh, When you have Patrick Mahomes, you are never out of a game. (laughs) Look at the Super Bowl last year. Right. I mean, the 49ers, for three quarters, had that game in hand for three quarters. Uh, They had him contained. The 49ers were, you know, we went to the fourth quarter going,
0: see it a little bit differently, and I'll tell you why, because Andy Reid is a guy where, again, for for a long time, I I thought that uh, there were deficiencies that he had that were holding him back for being as good as everybody said, and I don't think it's necessarily just a matter of, oh, he won a Super Bowl, he's a genius now. I think he proved he's a genius because of the way that he did it. Because I said prior to the Super Bowl, I mean, I was having bad flashbacks to my Dolphins losing to the 49ers in Super Bowl nineteen. You know, a finesse team versus a more complete team, right? The Dan Marino Dolphins reminded me a lot of this Chiefs team here and being a finesse team. And I said in my Super Bowl preview, I said, here's how the Chiefs can do it. But I don't think Andy Reid will and that is you have to commit, because the the, the 49ers were a much better team in terms of controlling the clock. You have to commit in the first half especially to chewing up the clock. And, man, they just kept giving it to Damian Williams. They were pounding the ball, pounding the ball, pounding the ball. In the fourth quarter, dude, I look at it, I think the 49ers were winded. I think they took the wraps off in the fourth quarter, unleashed Mahomes, you know, unleashed the Kraken here, so to speak. I, I, I think that's what happened. I think Andy Reid worked the perfect game plan because he refused to let the 49ers push them around physically. They, they ran a game plan that was a lot more conservative in the first half. It had a lot of people scratching their heads, but I was sitting there at the Super Bowl party I was at like, I'll be damned. Andy Reid's doing what I thought he should do. And in the second half, it paid off.
1: Well, it Right. I mean it was a great game plan in, in retrospect and what he did and um, but I think that's the same injury we've always had. The difference is that he didn't have Patrick Mahomes. He didn't have, you know, in the fourth quarter he could run that type of game plan knowing that, hey, I can I can pick up for, for even if I'm down two touchdowns in the in la- the end of the game because I have the human joystick. As, as like as, as a quarterback, right? He never had that. Um, even as good as McNabb was, he wasn't Mahomes. Um, and so, to your point, it's a great game plan that you can only really do with a couple of quarterbacks in this league. Maybe Mahomes and, and, and Russell Wilson. Uh, otherwise, it's. I don't think there's any other quarterback in the league you could you would gamble that game plan on uh, by basically taking it out of their hands for three quarters. And then wearing down the other team and then finally going, okay, it's like a dope right? Like, okay, right. we wore him out, now go get them. You're right, it worked. But it only works because you have Patrick
0: Mahomes. Well, but I, I guess my point on Andy I... is
1: the legend of Andy Reid, he's always been a good coach. Um, but when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, it gives you the ability to do things that clearly Shanahan couldn't do in the Super Bowl. Because he was doing the opposite, he didn't trust sure. Garoppolo. He was right. taking the ball out of his hand until right. the end. Right. So, uh, and he did throughout the whole playoffs. He basically just said, "I don't trust you. And I'm not going to put the game on your shoulders." Where, where, where Reed said, "Yeah, I, I, I trust you so much.
0: I'm going to take the ball out of your hands for quarters, and then I'm going to put it all on your shoulders." Well, here's the thing, though, and you're right, he never had him before, but I just don't see Philly Andy Reid as a guy that made that many genius adjustments. I, I look at, again, uh, the way that the Super Bowl ended uh, against the uh, the Patriots there with that interminable, you know, 56-minute drive down the field at the end there when they were down two scores. I mean, that Andy Reid, I don't think, had that kind of moxie in him. I think he's really grown since then.
1: I don't know. I, I, I don't really see any real changes in Andy Reid. Again, I think I think good coaches try to adapt to what they have and they try to game plan uh, based on what they have. And I think Andy Reed is, if is, is, is not the best, one of the best at doing that. And sometimes it doesn't always work out. Um, but when you have a guy like Mahomes, it certainly does help to then add to the, like, boy, he really is a smart coach. Well, he always was. Um, oh, he was always. Know, sometimes pretty. it just doesn't. Very yeah, good. I mean, sure. Back to our old Tom Brady, Bill Belichick argument, right? Well,
0: you know, that's true. That's true, and that
1: uh, you know, uh, you know, is Bill Belichick a good coach? Yes, he is. But you know, it, it certainly helps to have tools that that really make you look smarter. And Mahomes makes Andy Reid look smarter, even though Andy Reid's on smart guy. All that being said, Chiefs win the division. You know, gonna barring an injury to Patrick Mahomes, there's no doubt about it.
0: I think so uh, as well, and uh, I will say too, last note on this, that uh, the, the upgrade at running back this year, getting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in there, uh, I think he is the perfect fit for this offense. And I think it, it becomes now a little bit closer, no offense to Williams, but it's a little closer to what it was when you had Kareem Hunt in there and a running back that is really geared for this system, as opposed to what Williams was last year, which was, and, and Shady McCoy also, guys who could be serviceable in the system. Now you have a guy who's built for it. Right. I, I
1: totally agree. Um, he he fits their system perfectly, uh, which will just make them more dangerous uh, because now you got you have a capable running back.
0: That's what they want to do, uh, you know, behind Mahomes. Yep, and looking at this here, uh, moving to what I see as being the second best team in the division and a uh, wild card team, uh, a team that I seemingly every year am picking to make the uh, playoffs, but never seemingly do that much. That would be. The L.A. Chargers, their first year in, what is it, SoFi Stadium, but uh, before probably nobody, so uh, not much of a a new home field advantage. But again, uh, they were playing in the junior college soccer stadium the last couple of years, so this is actually a step up, having no fans as opposed to all the fans cheering against them for their hometown teams, all those L.A. transplants. (laughs) So, empty stadium, upgrade! (laughs) But, uh, you know... This is a thing where, again, Tyrod Taylor, a quarterback, I mean, the epitome of the guy of like, well, maybe he won't lose games for us. And, you know, I suppose he can pretty much fill that role there. Austin Eckler, first year, year as the lead running back, at least from day one. I mean, he had to become that sort of on the fly last year, and it worked out well. Uh, a receiving core that is always better on paper than it is in reality. Uh, A defense that gets Derwin James back, you've got Joey Bosa in there, definitely got star power in a lot of different places here, and a team that can be among the more exciting ones uh, in the league. We'll see how long Taylor's got the starting job he's been here before, i.e. two years ago, so we'll see. I think he's going to have a longer leash from Anthony Lynn, because I think uh, Lynn sees him as the the better chance for, uh, you know, again managing the games sufficiently to be able to get in there. And I agree with what you said about Phillip Rivers in a previous segment, that he didn't do a good job of keeping them in games last year. Taylor will at least do that. So, I mean, that seems to be the theme here, doesn't it? Going from, you know, turnover-prone Phillip Rivers to a game manager, going from a stadium where fans root against you to one where it's empty. It's all about reasonable expectations moving forward for the Chargers this year.
1: Yeah, I... You know, I have, I, I have historically, the last few years, loved this Chargers roster in terms of where it's been going. And there's a lot of things I like about it, um, you know, more so now than I ever have. Um, to your point, the defensive side of the ball is looking so good. It's so stacked. Um, and then they go and they add great rookies like Kenneth Murray out of
0: Oklahoma right.
1: uh, to their linebacking core. I mean, this guy is a leader. He is smart. You know, he's. This is the kind of guy that's going to start day one. I think he's going to. He's keeping be her. Um, I, I, and I think that what we've seen so far out of camp with him is that that's proven to have been a great pick. Uh, this defense is going to keep them in games. Uh, you know, bring them over a defensive tackle and Linval Joseph from the Vikings to beef up their line. Um. I just I love their defense. I love their defense. And I think that that's going to make them competitive in this division to the end. Now, the problem becomes uh, you have to score points in the NFL in order to win. And, again, the common theme that I just keep hammering on is this is a quarterback league. And, yes, Tyron Taylor took the Bills to the playoffs where they were winning every week thirteen to seven. <laughs> um, I just I don't believe in Tyrod Taylor as a guy who's gonna light it up. To your point, the underage wide receivers are not gonna be helped by Tyrod Taylor. Um, you saw it with Cleveland briefly for a few weeks uh when he was when he was in Cleveland where he just didn't he had his opportunities and other than that Saints game, he just never looked great. Um it was like, eh, you know, okay, game manager.
0: Right.
1: Um, to your point, Austin Eckler, um, a revamped offensive line, underachieving wide receivers, uh, they've got a great tight end, but then you've got Tyrod Taylor, who's who's just sort of a game manager. I don't see the, ch- the Chargers scoring a lot of points this year. And in a division where you're going to have teams that can score points, i.e. the Chiefs, uh, I think the Chargers are gonna struggle. And, um, you know, I mean, what, all, everything aside, besides what a travesty that, that them being in Los Angeles and playing second fiddle in that stadium. I mean, they are the fourth most favorite team in Los Angeles.
0: Right. I mean, which
1: is, it's, it's an absolute joke that they're there. And the fact that the NFL allowed this travesty to occur, I, I just, you know, shame on them. Um, and I've predicted as soon as they are fine, that window finally ends in Los Angeles, they will leave. Um, when they're finally, they get their first out out of that contract on that stadium, um, it's inevitable. They are not going to be long term in Los Angeles. They don't have a fan base there. My God, that's a, that is first and foremost, a Raiders town. <laughs> then it's the Rams town. Then it's a the Cowboys town. And then it's the Chargers. Um, it's, it's a joke. Um, and they should be there. And, uh, you know, there's no home field advantage for them. Even more so than, as we outlined playing in the soccer stadium, uh, that held 25,000 people of which 21,000 were the opposing team's fans that live in LA now. Um, I just see the chargers as my third place team in, in that division. Um, I don't think they're going to score enough points, and and I and I and I think that they're correctly going to not force Justin Herbert out of the field. Um, he he, you know, is he the future? I don't know. But um, with no off season, there's no other way you can run that kid out there. So Tyrod Taylor is going to be the guy this year, barring injury, and, and he's just underwhelming. He's underwhelming. He's a game manager. You're not going to score enough points to compete in that division. Despite how good that defense is going to be, right, and my third place team.
0: Well, and I suppose the Raiders are the next team we should probably talk about. I have a point of segue here, and I'm going to ask you what you think the effect of this is going to be. Without, uh, we we don't we don't tend to break a lot of kayfabe about each other's, uh, you know, some of our other professional work or whatever. I will just say some of mine uh, stems around uh, things that may involve infrastructure issues in the West. So this is something that's come across my desk. By 2023, there will be a completed high-speed rail between Vegas and L.A. Chris, I'm going to ask you what you think, what kind of effect that might have on football fans in Southern California and what their viewing options will be for football on NFL Sundays. Uh,
1: I, well, first of all, it, it will not be a completed rail by 2023 because they haven't even started laying tracks yet. Um, and it will be grossly over uh, budget.
0: Okay. So, that I, I said here's the premise I do think one is coming I do think
1: there is going to be an LA to Vegas uh, you know line at some point uh, but it's not in the NFL that I was like yeah it doesn't really matter where the hell they go you know there's, there's suddenly the Topeka Raiders and be like wow look at the Topeka Raiders I mean it just it was a great move business decision by the Raiders to move there they get a world class state of the art stadium where they're making real revenue where they weren't before in Oakland they were really hampered um you know we've talked about this in the past on this show um the, the reason that they um Traded
0: off what's the linebacker they
1: traded off to the Bears I think it's uh, oh Mac. yeah yeah uh, the, reason, the, the, the reason they traded Mac yeah. to the Bears is uh, it's very simple and that was that they didn't have the cash to sign him right think about that yep the, the, the owner of the Raiders his only money that he makes the Raiders he has no other business he has, no, he, he doesn't have billions of dollars of truck stop wealth or other things it's purely what he's pulling with the Raiders and, he, and because of the way NFL contracts are if you do a $50 million signing bonus I had to go Um, and the rail line, to your point, in the future will just add to that. It will help to further doom the Chargers in Los Angeles because nobody there's a Chargers fan, and the Raiders fans in, La- in, in Los Angeles can be in Las Vegas in two hours on a train. Yep. Um, and then, and then after the game, they can literally get on trains and head right back. I mean, people do it now after the Super Bowl. You should know, I go out to Vegas every year for the Super Bowl. And as soon as the Super Bowl's over on West Coast time, you know, people, they, they make their, their, their next year wages in the, in, the, in the casinos and stuff. Right. And they live in L.A., they're three and a half hours away, they just get on the highway and they drive, they leave. And they're back home by midnight and it works the next day. Oh, yeah. Um, a train is only going to just accelerate that. Uh, the, the Raiders are going to be in a great position long term. Facilities are amazing. Um, growth in that market. I mean, they're just—they are now really well positioned as a franchise. Yep. Um, you know, and I gotta say, and I told you this off the air, I gotta eat crow, man. I mean, I trashed Chucky like crazy, right? Um, but the reality is, they've done a nice job in terms of talent acquisition on that team. Um, you know, not every move has worked, but they certainly have. They've got a great running game. Derek Carr, I still think is. Quarterback, despite the fact that his head coach does clearly doesn't believe in him, right? Um, and I think they're going to use him, and I, or I expect them to trade him away this year. Um, and they'll get some more assets out of somebody, you know. Uh, you know, again, a guy like Derek Carr, I kept thinking, you know, was always a guy that like you could end up seeing in a place like, you know, the New York, you know, in, the Giants or something like that. Now they've got Jones. So I think there are still some teams out there that Derek Carr would be a real upgrade for them. Who knows? Maybe a team like the Pink. Um, So I I think that you're going to see the Raiders shop him uh, at the end of this year, um, if not even maybe during the season. And um, they're going to go in a different direction. I don't think we are mistaken that they think Mariota is the future. But the Raiders have real talent. I thought they had good drafts. They added speed to the outside, uh, they have, you know, they still need to work on that defense. But they're all, the Raiders are clearly a team when you look at this roster. And, 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 and Chucky does a good job of coaching. I mean, I got to tip the cap to him. You know, they're in every game, they're competitive. Um, and they just keep each year since he's been there, they, 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 they upgrade the roster slightly, like a little. Yep. step Every, every year, it has got a little better. Um, and I think the Raiders are going to be in and competing for a playoff, you know. Opportunity right to the end. Um, they don't have the offensive ability, I think, to take overtake the. Uh, you know, to overtake the um, Chiefs. Yeah, I just don't. I don't see that. And, and actually, you know, I, I actually, I, think just, I, I, I've got them as sort of that third place team, kind of tied with the Chargers. I, I see them both as like three four, right? Like I, they're my three four interchangeable. Very, you know. Uh, I I think I actually just spoke. I, I had the Chargers because of Tyrod, um, one game below the Raiders. So I actually have the Chargers in the last place. You're gonna be like, what? Um, I just spoke when I said third. I have the I have the Raiders in the third place, one okay, game ahead of the Chargers.
0: Well, I um, I I got which, the Raiders. Cheeses
1: into who I have as the, the surprise second place.
0: Okay. Well, let me uh, let me get a couple things here on on the Raiders. Uh, I I got them at uh, eight and eight. Uh, the Chargers at nine and seven, so I got them a game back. I got the Raiders a game out of the playoffs. Yeah, and I'm flipped. I have the Raiders at eight and eight, and the Chargers at seven and nine. Okay, so. so we agree on the on the record, anyway. So it's a thing where you mentioned it in passing. The running game, Josh Jacobs, was a very very nice draft pick here. They've they've done well in drafting uh, in the last couple of years here. Uh, they after a kind of fitful start, I still think Reggie McKenzie was kind of made the scapegoat for. They're drafting, but uh, they've, they've done a, a nice job uh, over the course of time. The Ray mcmillan thing here this summer, that's kind of interesting uh, as well as far as, uh, you know, pieces uh, to the, the defensively. Adding depth. Yeah, adding yeah. Depth. Adding depth. Just, they're adding depth, and, and I don't hate that move. Um, but, you know, it's not, it's not going to
1: move the needle in terms of wins and losses. Certainly.
0: No, but it, it, it helps, and it was uh, I, I did wonder a little bit why uh, the Dolphins... I uh, thought it was as good of a move, but no, I you know that it definitely helps a little bit. And I will say to answer my own question that I posed to you, my prediction is once high-speed rail is in, however many years it takes, and however far over budget it may be, and for whatever provis- provisos we want to put on this, I think you will have more Raiders season tickets and the uh, ticket holders in the L.A. area than Chargers ones. There I said it. And by the way, those trips back and forth on the train. On Sundays, you got to presume it's going to be predominated by Raider fans. Uh, that is going to take the concept of hotboxing to a new level. If we go back to make another Ohio reference, a lot of Megs County gold will be wafting in the air, Chris Galloway, on those planes, or on those trains back and forth. Well, I, I, yeah, well, and again,
1: to your point, I mean, that's like, I mean, look, that's just going from, that's
0: just like being a brown fan in Columbus, right? Sure, it's not yeah. a big jump. Right. It's to go from one spot to the other. Right. Um, your point I think the only thing
1: that holds back to your Could be. Um, so I, I don't know that you're going to be totally correct on that. Yeah. But,
0: um, if I'm wrong, that'll uh, be why. But, you know,
1: you might be. You might be since the you know the Chargers are going to have like four season ticket holders. So pretty much. It, yeah. It may not be very difficult.
0: Yeah. It might. It <laughs> might be. True. It might be a low bar to climb. But I, I have the Raiders at 8-8, eight and eight, along with uh, a team that uh, you obviously are higher uh, than, on than I am. Uh, I have Denver at 8-8 eight and eight as well. Drew Locke did show some nice things down the stretch last year. Uh, again, they, they still uh, they have many nice pieces. Defensively, of course, led by uh, Von Miller. Uh, and uh, offensively, uh, you know, nice now two-headed uh, piece at running back here with Lindsey and Gordon. A receiving that again, I mean, I just... You and I said it on draft night. I mean, I am speechless that Jerry Judy dropped as far as he did. To me, he's the guy that comes out once every couple of years at wide receiver, and Denver ends up snagging him. So that is the kind of thing that can help take a quarterback to the next level. And, uh, again, I'm not quite there yet on Drew Locke, but I don't rule out that he is that guy at that level, and Jerry Judy could certainly help him uh, actualize that potential. Well, the,
1: the, I think the, what they Broncos have done um, is made that offense potentially as explosive as the Browns offense could be. Mm-hmm. Um, the two-headed monster at running back, um, they've got the, they, I, I think the, the young tight end um, is going to emerge uh, this year as a real weapon for them. The kid out of Iowa with his name, uh, I'm trying to get his name off the top of my head.
0: Uh, Which one do they have? Um, it's it's uh, Fant. They have no, Fant they, no, Yeah. Fan. No, yeah.
1: Fan. Sorry. Um, I think most is gonna fit that offense beautifully. And then the outside I mean look I mean, is and they have a great they still have a fair because it's not elite defense. Uh along with the advantages of playing in Denver. Uh, and and their record this year, I, I just other their schedule. I, I just I, Broncos are that team and, and there's a huge caveat, obviously don't know and it could all unravel Them as nine and seven, and the second place team in the division, and, and again competing for the playoffs. I, I just I think they're going to edge out the eight eight and seven and nine Chargers, despite the fact that I love the Chargers' defense. How many times can I say that? In yeah. Um, but they're not going to score enough points with Tyrod Taylor to, to to win enough games, and and the and the, and the Raiders. You know, I just can't buy into them as being anything beyond 8-8 eight eight yet. Um, they're going to be competitive. They're going to win games. They're going to lose games they shouldn't lose. Um, they're going to be a lot like the Raiders last year. And and so I just think the team is Denver. And and, there's, and and I think that, you know, I think they'll, they could very well split with the Chiefs. Um, and I think that Drew Locke, could finally be the answer after El all of his failures and, and I will just say this the caveat drew Locke could also prove to be an abject failure this year he could melt down be an immature brat fail and we'll be all talking about boy what a terrible show of the job cho back
0: right I
1: guess I'm gonna I'm gonna hang my hat on what I saw at the end of last year with and the weapons they added around him and say okay I think I think they've got something here I think nine and seven, I keep competing for the playoffs, and um, you know I like the trajectory because that defense is good.
0: Well, I, I there's I agree with a lot of what you're saying there as far as uh, what what there is to like about Denver. And Like I said, you're you're a little bit ahead of me on that, but I got them at eight and eight, and I, I have them being a team that could kind of make that jump there. I would be remiss. Uh, before getting to the end of the division here, if I didn't mention this, this is one of these, uh, you know, everybody out there, pound a shot whenever Rick Morris mentions this concept, but this is one that you and I both agree uh, about, and that is the concept of players defensively, and this, this might be the second most important thing on a team to a quarterback. We could have that argument about the force multiplier player, the player who is not only great, but makes those around him better. In his young time in the NFL... Derwin James has been that for the Chargers, and they missed him terribly last year when he was out. It was part of a snowballing, nightmare season. It's a season that I know, again, you and I both think is atypical of the trajectory of the Chargers, which has been to be (laughs) pretty good to really good, but not great, and uh, I don't know that either one of us sees them breaking that this year, but Derwin James, with what he's doing in there... Uh, I don't know how many examples there are in the NFL right now of being a force multiplier, but Derwin James is that guy.
1: No, uh, He absolutely is. You know how much I loved him coming out of college. Yep. And um, I, I just I thought just, uh, he was one of those guys that, you know, in every draft you circle and he was that guy. And that year that I was like, you know, if you go back to that, that, that Browns movie, but like, you know, at, you know Derwin James at all comps, you know, like this guy is be They didn't, but um, I I just loved him. I think he, to your point, the force multiplier that you and I have talked about, the guy that makes everybody around him better, um, and when they're missing him, everybody takes a step back. Um, He clearly is that player for them, and that's why I love that defense.
0: I can understand that part of it. And also, too, one of these things with Denver of where some of their players are a little bit older, obviously, uh, some of the ones that were the key uh, players on the run to the Super Bowl a couple of years back. Uh, But it's one of these things where Vic Fangio is the head coach. He is an example of a guy who can get more out of less. So if there's anybody that can sort of turn back the clock a little bit with that defense a little bit, it might be him. And uh, I am I am a big fan of him as a coach as well. Uh, last question I have for you is this: Do you have Denver sneaking into the playoffs, or just missing it?
1: Um, well, I mean, at nine and seven, I, I guess I got him in, and especially with the extended, um, you know, the expanded playoff with an extra spot. Mm-hmm. At nine and seven, I've got him in.
0: Okay. All right, there's a real clip-and-save, uh, much like uh, some of mine in here. Uh, one of my early clip-and-saves would be in the previous segment here, the Colts to go 10-6 and six and win the AFC South. So uh, a couple of times here, going on, on a little bit of a limb in the AFC. Uh, the NFC, uh, of course, has a number of divisions that are sort of kind of topsy-turvy, and when we resume, it will be with the NFC East. But uh, again, want to thank you again, Chris, uh, for this. A great segment here, Part 4 of our 2020 NFL Divisional previews, this being the AFC West. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in.